Well, good morning once again. I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. The hall of, you know what it is? Faith. Yes, you get a bunny sticker at the end of the service. Come and see me. Hall of Faith. I'm going to be reading the first six verses. Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 6. I'll be reading the English Standard Version, but whatever version you have is fine. I'm sure it's not too dissimilar. We'll try to follow along together. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's pray again. Father, this morning, we thank you for the precious gift of your word. We ask now, Lord, that as we turn our hearts towards what you would say to us, we pray that faith would arise in us and that, Lord, you would speak to us through your word. We ask, Father, that we would be encouraged this morning to know that you are Lord and King, that there is no one above you, that all authority in heaven and earth is yours that nothing is without your notice. Our very lives, the details of our lives, are all important to you. Each of us here this morning are loved and are important to you and by you. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the certainty of your love. Help us this morning as we learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is my final address uh, to you this morning, Um, final opportunity that I have to to open God's Word and to look at it together. And so I wanted to abandon our series because there's a message on faith that I wanted to share with you. And I really don't have any plans uh, on how this is all going to unfold I'm a little bit shaky this morning, so please forgive me, but um, 
I'm glad you're here this morning. And I really believe that there's some things that God wants to speak to your heart and life this morning that will encourage you, that will bless you. And uh, I know will bless me by sharing it. Amen? Is everyone okay with that? Faith. This is the subject. How beautiful it is. What a beauty. What a treasure. This is what I think about when I think about faith. I think faith is such of such precious value. I say that because I know there's so many who don't have faith. And I know that this world and this life is difficult. The life that I have has been of its own challenge, but by no means is any of our lives really, we could say, have been difficult when we compare them to some other lives that we know and see. But I can't imagine what it would be like to live life without faith. It's the fuel that keeps us going. It's the, the juice in the engine of our walk before Christ. It's a precious gift. It's a precious treasure. Faith is our confidence. Faith is our courage. How grateful we are as children of God for the gift of faith. It's a good place to say amen, folks. Come on, let me hear you. One. Amen. Amen. How grateful we are as children of God for the gift of faith. We can go through difficult things. We can face challenges of all degree and yet be at peace Because of the faith that we have in God. Faith is a treasure that we should never take for granted. And as beautiful it is, as wonderful it is, how it pains our heart to see others that we love, that struggle, face difficulty and doubt and fear, Because they haven't been perfected in that area in faith. If only we could have faith for another person. Maybe that would make it easier. We could all help each other that way. I think the challenges that we face in our own individual lives might seem easier to the people around us, but when it, and, and their problems and challenges and difficulties and trials seem easy to us, but we can't get really a handle sometimes on the things that we're faced with. And so we can't borrow someone else's faith. We need our own faith. You've heard it said before that God has no grandchildren. Everyone needs their own faith. We can't rely on the faith of our parents as great a legacy as they leave us. 
as great as the legacy that we read in this chapter of the Hall of Faith, of all the heroes of faith. A privilege to know their stories and to hear about their legacies. And yet, faith is required of each of us. Faith is a gift. Faith is the certainty of who God is. That He loves us. That He cannot lie. That He can be trusted to accomplish all of His will. That God will do all that He said He will do in His time. In His way, God's promises are yea and amen. Amen. This is faith. To trust and believe God on the basis of who He is. Faith is that which silences doubt. It extinguishes the flames of fear. And abolishes every thought that exalts itself against the promises of God. Faith is the shield that covers, the shield that protects, the shield that withstands the attacks, the arrows, the darts, and the daggers of the devil. This is faith. It was faith that framed the worlds. What does that mean? It means that it was faith and it was the courage of faith that has shaped generations. It was the testimony of faith. And I encourage you to study this chapter diligently. It's the testimony of faith that leaves a godly legacy. Nothing else does. God is pleased only by faith. Because without faith, it's not possible to please Him. Faith is important. For Israel to cross into the promised land, they first had to step into the river. For Peter to walk on water, he first had to step out of the boat. It's interesting, you know, we say... You know, the Bible talks about a man who walked on water. Who are we talking about? Jesus. But Peter did too. For a little while. He had to step out of the boat. That's why the Word of God says that faith without works is dead. It's through taking the step of faith that faith is alive, is active, and operative. The mountains move, the seas part only after and upon the step of faith. It's only after the step of faith that's taken that the waters will hold up on each side. Faith is both rational and irrational. It just depends on who's looking. In the eyes of the world or people who don't have a worldview that incorporates a life of faith must reason out by other means. To them, faith is nonsense. 
Faith is irrational in their eyes because they see it as something that has a lack of evidence. They fail to see with the eyes of faith. But faith is rational, not because it relies on worldly evidence, but because it relies on something more certain and sure than anything in this world. It relies on God Himself, His character, His very person, and His very Word. The Word of God, brothers and sisters, is more sure than the pew you're sitting on. Things which are eternal are the invisible things. The things which are temporary and passing and fading are the constructs of this life. Faith, then, is more certain than any evidence this world could produce. It is a knowing beyond. I'd like to share with you a little story of, uh, of faith. And it has to do with uh, how, I got, um, how I got married. It's a big step of faith on, uh, on my wife's part. That's okay. I can, I can joke about myself. I'm totally fine with that. Everyone knows that. You see, I, I came from a really challenging upbringing where I was on the other side of the tracks and and Jesus radically saved me and changed me and called me into his ministry. He had plans for me that I was just going 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And when I came to the end of my rope, he saved me. But reputations being as they are... um, Sometimes it's difficult even coming into church. Because you have a past. Because you have a history. So people accept you and they say, yes, you're part of it. But what some people in church don't say is they've actually positioned you on a certain level. Yes, God has forgiven you. We love you, brother, sister. But we're not going to invite you to the Singles Fellowship. Or something like that. So when I came to uh, my friendship with Cecilia and... It just so happened that I had returned from Bible college and uh, she went off to Bible college. When she came back, we were back and forth. She went off to Columbia and uh, was teaching over there. And and we were never in Montreal at the same time. But when we finally came back, our our, our friendship blossomed and and, um, was built on on the Word of God. And and, uh, we just committed it to the Lord and... I don't know how else to explain it to you, but there was just a knowing in me that she was the one. No one else had this knowing. The family was against it. People, the church was against it. 
pastor was against it. Everybody wanted to stop it from happening. And the only way that I was able to withstand all of this doubt was because God had given me the gift of faith. And there's no other way to describe it to you is that I knew beyond the fact that I knew. And I had no reason to. But I knew. When you stand in faith, God has a way of blessing you. When you stand in faith believing what God has promised you, He has a way of silencing the voices of the doubters. Now I have a great relationship with all of those people I mentioned. But I don't blame them because sometimes they're just not able to see what God is doing. They look with human eyes instead of the eyes of the Lord. When I first came to church as a young man, people warned me about other people in the church. They said, some people will encourage you, but be careful. Don't be too on fire for the Lord. Because I was just blazing a trail. They called them dream stealers. People who take a spiritual bucket of water and just douse you with it. Is anybody here? We've got to be careful that though we don't always understand what God is doing in the lives of the other people around us, in our families, in our friendships, we need to pray and ask for the eyes of faith to see what God is doing through this. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying we need to pray. And so it was just something that I knew. How do you know that God is leading you to take a step of faith? You're here this morning. If you're breathing, God is calling you to take a step of faith. He is, because this is how we grow in God's kingdom. We grow from faith to faith. You know, we just did a series with the youth. They're still in it. The book of Romans, coming to a close, right? The theme verse was Romans 1.17. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith faith this is what we're called to we're called to as Christians move from faith to faith have you ever been in a situation where you feel like hey if I could just get past this next six months at work if I could just get past this next season at school if I could just get past this level then life will open up I can relax and it'll be easy right And what happens when you get there? It's never that way. There's always a greater step, a greater responsibility, a greater challenge to take and to move forward in. Just when we feel that we've got life figured out, the Lord has a funny but beautiful way of bringing the challenges into our lives to cause us to grow 
because we grow from faith to faith. Sometimes I wish it wasn't this way, but it is glorious. And it's His purpose. Is that you today? Where is your step of faith that you've taken in your life led you? It's led you to this moment in your lives. And the Lord is asking you for a greater degree of trust, a greater degree of dependency, a greater degree of resolution in your heart that you are going to believe God is exactly who He says He is, that His promises are true, that His Word will stand forever regardless if anything else fails and falls, God's Word will remain. And this is where God is calling you today, to a greater degree of knowing, a greater degree in you of knowing beyond yourself. I almost feel like God looks down at all of creation and says, grow. Never stop growing. I learned that from Mr. Rogers. We never stop growing. We're always growing. What has God called you to to do? But instead of taking that step, you've allowed fear, doubt, worry to hold you back. Is it a ministry? It is a certain career? Is it a certain relationship? Is it witnessing? Is it what what is it? What has God called you as an individual to do that is going to take all the faith that He's given you, but fear and doubt and worry have provided these very rational, very legitimate excuses? To hold back. Let me share with you a few details. All of you should know, I I believe, all of you know, are aware, this is my last Sunday, and uh, uh, we've been called, we've accepted a pastoral position at a church in um, the York region of Toronto at um, a church called Springvale. It's a fellowship church. And um, we're excited, but there's a lot of details that have yet to be worked out. They started the process with me uh, about a year ago. And in November, after many months of working through the process with them, they called me. And they said, Pastor Jordan, I don't know how to explain this to you. It was 11.59 in the process. But at the last minute, another candidate has come into the picture, and we need to pursue them. So we'd like to thank you for applying and for working through the process with us, but... 
as it turns out, it's going to go forward with this, can, this other candidate. This other candidate was from their church, but he had moved on in ministry, and he's a bit older than I am, and he has more experience in larger churches. He has a lot more missions experience. He was the one responsible even for helping to develop, in part, some of the system they use in terms of their youth ministry. And he knows people there. He has families there that he knows and looked like an ideal fit. So I was seeking God between this opportunity and another one. And the other opportunity seemed like a completely open door. So I felt, as I was seeking the Lord last year about growth and what He would have for me, I was praying specifically, saying, God, please open the doors that need to be opened. Please close the doors that need to be closed. Because in and of my own understanding, I can't navigate this life that you've called me to. I don't understand really what the road ahead is going to be like. But Lord, my desire is to serve you. My desire is to honor you. So please move, Father, by your Spirit sovereignly and close the doors that need to be closed and open the doors that need to be opened. And this other opportunity, well, this opportunity in Toronto was closed. So I was thanking God, praising God. This other opportunity that I had was wide open. It was a sure thing. It was just a formality. So then we went through Christmas and in February, on the first day of February, I got a call from Toronto saying, Pastor Jordan, I don't know how to tell you this, but the guy that we thought was a shoo-in is not coming. We met with him and after praying and seeking the Lord, he determined that it wasn't for him. So we would like to know if you would like to re-enter the process. So I said, I need a couple days to think about it, and I'll get back to you. That was at 7 p.m. on the 1st of February. At midnight, I got an email from the other opportunity that I thought was wide open, saying that I'm sorry, the door is closed. What's amazing about that church is that I'm praying specifically for God to open the doors that need to be opened and to close the doors that need to be closed. And a door that I thought was completely closed, God reopened it. And a door that I thought was completely open, God closed it. And I can tell you that the door that was closed, it was a very, you know, irrational reasoning. Didn't make sense. We need church to pay attention to the things that don't make sense in our lives. Is it possible that God is at work? What's amazing is that I'm praying specifically for these things, and this is exactly what God is doing, and I'm going to tell you why later. Now, it took many months for them to continue the process with me, and um, 
really at the end of April, beginning of May is the only time when they actually made the offer. And I was praying and saying, you know, if I was going to go to Toronto, it would have to be a certain package and salary, and I don't want to get into all the details of it. But I was praying. I calculated what we need to kind of make it, and my wife, and I'd want my wife to be home so that she can take care of our children, and just very honestly coming before the Lord and saying, this is what I need. And it's, it's a stretch, Lord, but this is the number that I need. Very specific. So when I met with the people in Toronto and they presented that what they were thinking, I said, no, this is way low. You need to go back and look at it because I have a certain number in my head. And I'm not going to uproot my family and the wonderful ministry that I have here unless the Lord answers what, I, what I've put before him. So they came back to me after several weeks and um, presented the package to me. And it had all kinds of funny numbers on it and uh, calculations and it was this weird thing. So I'm driving back, and I'm somewhere around Kingston area, and I'm seeing the paper over in the, in the seat, and I'm just doing a rough calculation in my head. And they had some things on there that kind of maybe shouldn't be considered and other things that should be considered, so I kind of had to do a little bit of a calculation. And I had to stop the car. Because after I had removed what shouldn't be there and put in what should be there, it came to the exact dollar amount that I put before God. What does this mean, church? It means I should have asked God for more. (laughs) Do you believe that God cares about the details that we put before Him? Do you believe that He answers the prayers and concerns of our heart when we ask in faith and believe to receive that God is faithful? And that he loves his children and wants to provide exactly what they need according to his riches and glory. We knew we would have difficulty here in Montreal because we weren't going to sell our home. We have a duplex in Ville Saint Laurent and we have tenants upstairs. And we knew we would have to rent our place. And as it turns out, all of a sudden... We make this decision to go to Toronto and the tenants who have been there for years, they've been great tenants upstairs, they come down, now the lease is already renewed, they come downstairs and they say, we're leaving. So I said, wow, real shot in the gut because we were counting on that to kind of maintain the building here and everything like that. So... After a few awkward discussions, we decided to hire an agent. We got word that um, there was a a real estate agent that was really good. And uh, we talked to him. He pulls out his business card. And in French, he's got John chapter 14 on there. So I said, wow, this is a great real estate agent. And... uh, there's several five and a halfs in the area that have been on the market for months. So I was worried because they're nicer than our place. 
Brothers and sisters, we signed a lease the other day. It took four days to get that place rented out. So if you need an agent, we'll talk later. <laughs> and I asked, why aren't the other places being rented out down the road? Can't explain it. The current tenants who are leaving are going to even cover the commission of the agents, so it's not going to cost us anything. But we know we needed to find a new home in Stouffville, Ontario. Those of you who know Stouffville, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. It's an expensive town. And it's in the York region. Well, all of Toronto is, it's, honestly, it's about double in some cases. So, you know, if you've got a house here, half a million dollars, there it's a million or a bit more than that. So it's impossible for us to, to purchase a home. But we were looking to rent a home. And so I was going on this wonderful website, Kijiji. Any of you know it? And I was searching for homes in the York region where Markham is. Those of you who know Toronto, there's like the north tip of Markham. It's like the Cornell area and different areas. I was looking around there because they had the style of home, like kind of like a town home, two-bedroom or three-bedroom we were looking for. And... We were also looking in Stouffville, but we felt that Stouffville was impossible because everything's brand new and everything is really for sale and nothing really is for rent over there. Um, it's, it's just it's, it's a lot more challenging. And the further spread out you go, you have a little bit better bang for your buck. So I made my short list on Kijiji and I had about 17 properties and I was calling them and nobody was getting back to me. And I was like, Lord, you've got to do this because no one's calling me back. No one's emailing me back. And a lot of them are even fake ads because they're real estate agents who just kind of want your business. So they put this really great opportunity. You call them to ask about it. And then they say, no, but I can help you find a place. Kind of one of the real estate tactics over there because there's 100,000 real estate agents. And it's, it's, it's just Toronto is just different like that. But... I was calling, and all the places that I was calling, they would tell me, sorry, it's gone. And I haven't had even the chance yet to take the, the ad down from Kijiji. That's why, you're, that's why it's still there. So I figured I really needed to be on the ground in Toronto. I needed to go to the area and go around and, and see. So I made an appointment with one place in Markham, and I was driving around. And, and um, I called the appointment that I had made. And he said, sorry, it's gone. I said, I had an appointment with you. He said, yes, someone else had an appointment before you, and they took it. It was being snatched up like this. So I was like, Lord, I really need you to to work here. So I went down to the the coffee shop and uh, just began to pray. And I didn't feel comfortable at all in Markham. I was driving around, and uh, it just felt cold to me, and I was... I know we're not, we don't base ourselves so much on feelings, but it just didn't feel right. And here I am praying and saying, Lord, lead me and guide me to the place that you want me to be, that you want us to be, not just for me. You know, I could sleep on a slab. I'm, that's no problem. But, you know, my family, the community that they're going to be in, this is, it's important for me to have a, a home, to establish a house for the family God has given me. 
I just had this overwhelming sense that I needed to be in Stouffville. So I made the short list again, got rid of all the Markham properties, and there was only two in Stouffville. One of them was a townhouse, and it was in the middle, and it only had windows in the front, and it looked kind of dark, and I, I didn't go for it. Another place I called, taken, off the market. So I call this other house, and it's a semi-detached, and uh, it's available for the 31st of July, and I'll tell you why that's important later. And uh, I call the agent, and I say, I need to see the place. He says, it's impossible. You cannot see this place today. I said, listen, I'm only here for a couple of hours. I need to see the place. What can you do? So he says, I'll call you back. He gets me in for 1 o'clock. So I go see the place, I pull up in this nice area, and it's exactly where we need to be. You can throw a rock and hit the Stouffville High School, which is um, primarily the place where all the students in the church are attending high school, and it's five minutes from the church, Park, parks all around, and it's just, it's, it's just the exact area that we need to be in. So he asked me, even before we get into the house, he says, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor here at the church. And uh, he says, oh, you're Christian. I said, yes. He said, I am too. He's an Indian fellow. So I said, where are you from? He says, I'm from Kerala. And I, I realized, oh, that's the same re region where one of my favorite Indian apologists, Ravi Zacharias, is from. He said, yeah, Ravi. Like he knows him, you know. <laughs> Even India has a billion people, but they know each other, you know? He says, I listen to him every day. I said, this is off to a great start, brother. I was praying and asking God would sovereignly guide me. And I just have a really good feeling about this. So we go into the house, and it's a nice little home, semi-detached, and it's wonderful. And so I start to talk about the owner. And ask him, okay, well... Uh, how are we going to rent this place? And we're interested. And he said, you know, the owners are Christian too. In fact, they work for a missions organization. I said, this is the home of missionaries? He says, yeah. And actually right now, they're in Montreal. I said, which organization? They said, Sim Canada. And I know that Snowden sponsors missions in Sim Canada. So you're telling me the church that I belong to sponsors the organization that the owners of this house belong to, own. Do you remember a few months ago in April, we had Charles and Ann Noble? There was Sim Canada. When Charles and Ann were here, they stayed at their house in Dorian. In fact, this couple, Naveen Aaron and his wife, Sarah Danaraj, met you and he did their taxes. <laughs> so all points lead to Snowden. In fact, I, I went with my family and we had a chance to meet them and we had a barbecue at their place. And it was like coming home. When I was driving home from Toronto, I had the weirdest feeling that even 
before we had decided to go to Toronto that a place was being prepared for us. Isn't God good? You know, I was telling the owners of the home that they were wondering about full-time ministry and, and what to do. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, I want to connect you with this other Indian pastor that I know. And he's in Dorian, where, near where you live in Pankur. And he goes, what's his name? I said, Pastor David Charles. He says, I know him. In fact, he's my cousin. <laughs> so we all had the barbecue together. The church of God is a small world, isn't it? But let me, this is only my perspective of it. You don't know how this family has been praying and saying, God, would you send the right family and the right couple to rent our home from their end? I was talking with Pastor Ken Godin at the wedding the other day, and he had a similar journey of loving Snowden, being here at Snowden, and then moving. Actually, he lived about 10 minutes away from the church that I'm going to. He knows people in that church and stuff. And he was telling me, you know, I was in Markham seven years to the month. He says, God works in sevens. It's something important. He says, I never would have planned it, but that's how it turned out. And I said to him, that's very interesting, because we were trying to get into the home in Stouffville, but it was delayed. And this is why it was, I say, pay attention to the, the weird things. It was on the market for July 31st. Um, but that's the only reason why it was still there. Because if it would have been June 1st or July 1st, it would have been taken. Because all the families who are looking for homes would, are looking for those dates. And because it was an off date, it was still on the market. Because it was an off date, the Lord was reserving it for us. Even the weird things in your life, is it possible that it's because God has reserved them for you? Why am I telling you all of this? Because I want your faith in the God that we all serve to be strengthened. When God calls you, He will equip you with everything you need. But you need to take your step of faith first. If the seas are going to part, if the mountains are going to move, you've got to put your foot in the river. Faith is the only legacy that matters. So we're working with the owners to see if we can get into the house any earlier. And it took a bit of time, but they're going to let us in a couple weeks earlier. In fact, they're going to let us in on the 18th of July. And the 18th of July, when I sit down in our home in Stouffville for supper, it will be on my seventh wedding anniversary. Why does God do these miracles, these little details, these little things? And there's a bunch of others I won't share with you today, but there's just confirmation after confirmation. There's three reasons why he does this, okay? Number one, it's to bless us. Anyone who's taken a step of faith None of this is new for you. You know that God has moved in your life in the same ways, in similar situations. And when I'm sharing these things with you, you get the witness of the Holy Spirit that this is of God. It's to bless us. 
But secondly, it's also to give us an authority. This is why God does miracles in your life. I'll tell you why. Because there's people over there in Toronto that I am going to go there and say that God has called me there. They're going to say, how do you know? And I'm going to say, this is how I know. Because God wants me to operate in a certain level of authority in their lives. To say that I can speak to you from the Word of God because He's called me and this is how I know. And when God does, uh, calls you to take a step of faith and He does the miracles in your life, the miracles are not just for you alone, but the miracles are so that you will walk in the authority in the lives and bless the people that God has called you to be influencers to. This is why God does the miracle in your life. It's not just for you, it's for them. Thirdly, it, it gives us certainty of our calling. It's a confirmation. God doesn't want you to be out on a limb wondering. God has called us to be courageous. He's called us to be confident. This is what faith is. Faith is our confidence. Faith is our courage. Faith is belief in God and trust in God that causes us to be fearless when He calls us into the waters. I mentioned all of these little details today because my heart's desire is that the things that God is calling in your life to take a step of faith, that today you would leave here with certainty that God is going to back you up when you trust Him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, and then I'm going to play a video for you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to who? To Jesus, the founder of perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God Jesus is the author Jesus is the perfecter of our faith Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you, Lord, that you do these miracles and these uh, situations and details of our lives to strengthen our faith, to grant us the authority and certainty of our calling so that we would know that you're with us, that you'll never leave us, never forsake us. Help everyone today, Father, to take that step and that you've called them to. In Jesus' mighty name and the food. Amen. Amen.